the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you'll get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of the Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Micah Koop. Hello and thank you for joining us today. You're listening to The Word in South Texas, AM 630 KSLR. And I want to welcome you to our Church of the Week feature. Every week we have the privilege of sitting down with a local pastor in our community, someone who is leading the charge, as it were, uh, in the community of faith and rallying believers for the cause of Christ. And today we have the privilege of sitting down with the pastor of Covenant of Grace Church, Pastor Dirk Russell. Pastor Dirk, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Mike. It's a privilege to be here. Well, we're going to go ahead and get right into it with Pastor Dirk. And uh, we, we want to hear all about Covenant of Grace and, and the things that the Lord is doing there. But before we do that, can you give us just a little background about yourself? Sure, absolutely. I'm one of those people who wasn't born in Texas, but got here as fast as I could. There you go. Uh, I'm a Midwesterner at heart. Uh, lived in the Midwest most of my life. Uh, at the age of, well, after high school, after graduating, I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And it was there that I met my wife. And uh, we moved to San Antonio in 1996. Uh, we've worked in church ministry throughout that time. Uh, we have six children together. Uh, our oldest one just graduated from high school this year. Okay, just to make sure that everyone heard that, okay, that that all right. Did you say six children? Six, yes. Six children. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. That's the number. All right, okay, just making sure. <laughs> My wife is the oldest of nine, so okay. we have a small family by comparison. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and here, here's the, the million-dollar question. Can you name all of them in order? Probably, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so you moved to San Antonio. You you uh, you have six kids, then, and one of them is are the the youngest or the oldest just graduated. The oldest just graduated. Oldest, just the oldest graduated. is seventeen. Okay. He graduated from high school. Our youngest is eight. Okay. We have five boys and one girl. Uh, we the princess. Affect- yes, the princess and the boys are affectionately known as the boybarians, and uh, <laughs> probably aptly named. Yes, huh? absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, so what brought you to San Antonio? Um, what, was it just a, a family decision? Was it a ministry decision? It was a ministry decision when we moved. We did have family here, okay, uh, and they were a part of a church that was looking for a minister of education. And right. so, after I finished at Moody Bible Institute, we moved down here uh, to be a part of that church, and I served there for seven years as their minister of education. Excellent, excellent. Now, Pastor Dirk, I think a lot of people uh, when when we're talking to pastors. Um, you know, it, there tends to be this stigma with pastors that they came out of the womb holy and, you know, all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And, and they, you know, they've never had any issues. But uh, in, indeed, we understand that that there is a process of decision to coming to Christ the same way there is for anyone else. And what was that experience like for you? That process for me was actually about a year and a half long process. It was interesting. I lived a fairly normal, ordinary life as a teenager growing up in the Midwest. And about a week before my 16th birthday, uh, let me go back just a little bit. I didn't spend a whole lot of time. We went to church, but 
didn't spend a lot of time thinking about God or the things of God. I wasn't as bad as I could have been, sure. uh, but I certainly wasn't concerned with godliness. The week before my 16th birthday, I woke up, put my legs over the side of the bed and stood up and I couldn't walk. Um, I could shuffle my feet a little bit to get around, but could not walk. Uh, went to the hospital and spent a week finding out, getting tests done to see what was wrong. And they finally discovered what it was. And I had two major surgeries. The first one was on my 16th birthday. So that was, wow. that was most kids were getting their driver's license. I was having major uh, head and back surgery. Wow. And that experience kind of opened my eyes. I started thinking about things that I hadn't thought about before. Sure. Uh, thinking about death and thinking about the reality of who I was. Shortly after that, my family moved, uh, healed, recovered, everything was fine. And then about a year after that, when I was 17, I uh, heard of the gospel uh, in a way that it really took to heart. Mm. Uh, I believe that God opened my eyes to discern the truth. He softened my heart so that I might believe in him. So at the age of 17, I became a Christian. Uh, but I think it was all part of a process that God was putting me through, starting with the surgery wow. and then ending with coming to know him as Lord and Savior. Amazing. Amazing. I love stories like that because, you know, it, it we sing it about we sing about it all the time. We you know, we read about it all the time. But, you know, when you hear a real life testimony of I once was lost, but now I'm found. It's just powerful every time. Absolutely. I agree. Now, Pastor Dirk, um, you, you know, there's a salvation call, but there's also a call to the ministry. And, and what was it for you that kind of led you down the path where you felt like, man, I, I've received Christ and uh, I, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do full time in uh, propagating, as it were, the gospel? Sure. And I think this story is one of those areas where God uses even our sin and our weakness to accomplish his purposes. Uh, I was part of a church and a part of the youth group at a, a church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Okay. And I really thought that the youth, pa youth pastor had a cool job. I mean, he played basketball with me and hung out with <laughs> and did all of these things. And so my thinking at, at, at first was I'd like to do that. Uh, at the same time, I was having people around me in the church saying that they thought God might be calling me into ministry. So after I graduated from high school, I took a year off because I wasn't entirely sure of what to do. But then over time, started to believe that God was calling me into some kind of pastoral ministry. Right. Uh, so that's when I enrolled and went to Moody Bible Institute. And while I was there, uh, went away from the youth thinking and majored in pastoral theology uh, with the goal of becoming a, a pastor. That was my major, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I can relate to that well. Um, that's that's great. You know, you, uh, you went from obviously a, a Bible school student to a graduate to uh, an education, pastor of education, and and now you've made that transition full circle um, to being Pastor Dirk Russell of Covenant of Grace Church. And Correct. How, how did you get to that, that place? Was that a—I mean, I think I understand— if I understand correctly, that was a church start, correct, that the Lord put on your heart? It was, and there were nine families uh, that started the church that were with me as a part of that church plant, uh, had known them all for a number of years and had been friends with them uh, for a number of years. And it was something, it was really interesting the way it came together. Uh, we all kind of at the same time it was laid on our hearts that we we needed to plant a church. And so we started talking about that. And we talked for about a year before we actually started meeting together as a church. 
And out of that year-long set of meetings, Covenant of Grace Church was born. That was nine years ago. We celebrated our nine-year anniversary uh, in June, first Sunday in June. Excellent, excellent. Now, um, I've read it on your website. I believe it. You know, um, names are significant. Mm-hmm. So how how was it that you came up with the title Covenant of Grace, and, and what all does that uh, reference? Yeah, and, and the Covenant of Grace is really shorthand, or maybe it's longhand, for the gospel. Right. Uh, covenant is a, a binding promise in Scripture, and the promise that God has made to us in the person of Jesus Christ is grace. Uh, he sent his son to take our sins so that we might be reconciled to him. And the gospel is essential to everything that we do as a church. And so it worked out in the name of calling ourselves Covenant of Grace. As we were talking earlier, an interesting thing happened with the name. Uh, early on, the initials of Covenant of Grace are COG. And so people started calling the church COG, and in amongst the believers, it became COG. And at first, I was a little offended by that because (laughs) I'm kind of formal. I can be kind of formal, and the name of the church is Covenant of Grace, so we ought not call it COG. But then one day I was thinking, and I think I was watching a show on machinery, and they showed the COGs working together. And I thought, what an amazing thing that that was, because one of the things that we try to emphasize is the importance of loving one another that we are a body of believers and that each one is important and each one plays a part, each one serves a purpose. And to miss one, to lose one, affects the whole. And so uh, I think the term cog can be pejorative for some people, but we're all just parts of God's kingdom and he is using us for his glory and his purposes. And so it's great just to be a part. Absolutely. We're talking with Pastor Dirk Russell of Covenant of Grace Church here in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, Pastor Dirk, um, one of the, I guess, scriptures that embodies that is something I've seen on some of your material in Romans twelve five, And uh, the version you use says, So we who are many are one in Christ and individually members of one another. Can you talk to the to the listener out there about um, about what that means to you and what that means to covenant of grace. Sure. And there's a couple of things. If you look at scripture, they will know we are his disciples by our love for one another. Uh, In Romans 12, Paul has spent 11 chapters talking about the gospel and then beginning in chapter 12, he wants to apply it. So what does, how does the gospel affect our lives? And the first thing that he talks about is our lives together. And so we feel very strongly that the Church of Christ, the local church, needs to be a community of believers that is truly knit together, uh, that is devoted to loving one another, to caring for one another, equipping one another, serving one another, so that together we can be used by God to fulfill the purposes that he has for us. That's great. Pastor Dirk, uh, you're at Covenant of Grace, you uh, obviously every church has missions, uh, mission statements, vision statements, core values, wh- whatever uh, may be the case that kind of guide their uh, their body towards a specific goal. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can you give some insight as to what some of those entail? In, uh, in your congregation at Covenant of Grace. Sure, and our mission statement really has three parts to it. Uh, the mission statement says that we desire 
to be a body of believers. And before looking at those three parts, that word desire is important because we by no means have always live up to what we want to be. Right. Kind of like Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Right. And, right. Yeah, I got not, not that we've already made it. We, <laughs> yeah. we haven't done it, but, but you're our, pressing on towards the goal. Absolutely. So our desire is to one, uplift the gospel of Christ. I think it is of the utmost importance that we as the people of God keep the gospel before us continually. We tend to forget and we get in our lives or we get into the midst of suffering and the gospel is forget forgotten. It can either be that we think that God has abandoned us or forgotten us or he's left us or we think that we've done something that maybe we need to now earn God's favor and so the gospel is something that is essential. Uh, a lot of people think of the gospel as something that unbelievers need. I'm convinced from Scripture that God, the gospel is something that we as believers need as well. We need to be reminded continually who we are in Christ Jesus, that we stand before God holy and blameless because of what Christ has done for us. And that really then motivates the life that we live in seeking to follow him. So the first thing we desire to be is a church that uplifts the gospel of Christ. We emphasize, too, the second uh, aspect of our mission statement is we want to be a body of believers that walks by faith. And really what that means is that in everything we do as followers of Christ, we see that Jesus Christ is Lord and that in following him, be it in our work, our vocation, our families, we need to walk trusting him, uh, trusting the plans that he has for us. I've learned by experience that my plans don't always work the way I would like them to. I completely understand that. Yeah. <laughs> and and I've spent a lot of years fighting against that, trying to squeeze my plans into yes, God's sir. plans. And so we emphasize the importance of walking by faith. Walking by faith, too, means that our faith is something that's public. It goes with us everywhere that we go. And so as far as missions, we certainly support missions. But we all have a mission every single day, and God sends us out into the world to fulfill that mission. And so walking by faith, I think, embodies that. And then the last thing that we desire to be is a body of believers that loves one another. And we've already talked about this a little bit, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, This is essential to who we are as a body of believers. The world sees our discipleship. They know we belong to Christ Mm -hmm. by our love for one another. And if we can't love one another, there's no way we can take the gospel of God's grace to the world. Right. If you say you love your brother, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love God who you haven't seen? I think I read that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, that's great, great uh, visions, great mission uh, Pastor Dirk at the Covenant of Grace Church. Now, I-, I wondered if maybe you could unpack those even a little bit further for us. You know, when you're talking about uplifting the gospel of Christ, walking by faith, loving one another, how do, how do you do that in a practical sense from a congregational standpoint? I know as as the pastor, you you look at those as a uh, maybe your your markers that that you're trying to hit or your or your due north, so to speak. Sure. But, but on a on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, service by service, programs, different things. What what things do you put in place as the pastor and as as the church body to see these things implemented? And a lot of it starts with the fact that we believe that the Word of God is the power of God to change lives, and yes, so. Sir. 
it starts in some ways from the pulpit. And so I want to be sure that in my own preaching, those things are at the forefront, that those that we're being reminded of those things over and over and over again. And it really then just it, it, it the word of God's powerful. And so as the word of God goes forth, people begin loving one another. And there doesn't have to be we're not a program oriented church. We're pretty simple in the way that we do things. We don't have a lot of activities going on and that's intentional. It's not that we can't find anything to do. Sure, it's, sure. it's intentional. But when there's someone in need, we don't need a program to Absolutely. make sure that that person is cared for. There's a body of believers that loves them, that comes to their aid, that comes to their side, that walks with them through that. Uh, and, and so it's I think for some people it almost sounds too simple. You know, it can't work that way. But it really does because the Word of God is the power of God. It is through the Word of God that we receive faith. It is through the Word of God that we're transformed. And so we see that transformation happening in the lives of people. Absolutely. And Pastor Dirk, you know, you mentioned that you don't put a whole lot of emphasis on on programs, but, you know, I've, I've heard it said before that Successful programs are run by people who care. You right. know, it's not the program that that helped anybody. It, were the pe- it was the people involved in the program that actually helped someone. And programs that don't work are just programs that are not being facilitate, facilitated by anyone, and they're trying to solve a problem with a program. So, you know, there, I, I definitely see your point to mm-hmm. that, and and uh, and it's well taken. But there is something that you guys are involved in. Uh, maybe it's a philosophy. Maybe it's a, a Uh, perspective of ministry that I find very interesting and I think a lot of our listeners would find very interesting and that's the idea behind having a ministry that is uh, that involves integrating the family and uh, I I wondered if maybe you could take a few minutes and talk about that desire to be an integrated family ministry. Sure and there is, I, I think, in in the world today, a family integrated church movement. We don't necessarily find ourselves as part of that. We look at what we do as being multi generational, uh, and so we do worship together, we fellowship together, and there aren't programs in which uh, the kids are divided from the adults, and so forth and so on. And it's really because we are a body, <laughs> we are one body, and so. We believe that if uh, God gives gifts to his people and there are those who are a part of our congregation who are young children who have faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that they're gifted. They're a part of the body. And so they bring something to the fellowship that uh, I couldn't bring. Uh, Jesus tells us to have the faith of a child. Well, what better way to understand the faith of a child than by worshiping with a child? Uh, one of the the most beautiful things that I see each Sunday morning is when uh, one of the older couples in our church sees one of the kids that belongs to another family, and the child runs up to them and hugs them, and you see it might sound trite, but ministry is going on there. Uh, the child is ministering to the adult, and the adult is ministering to the child. And so it's really just about 
our being a body, our being together, our loving one another. And we think that that extends to every member, to every part of the body of, of our church. And I, I love that. You know, I, I have kids. You you obviously have kids. <laughs> and uh, Six. And, yeah, six. six. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, um, we're, you know, I think so many places that you go, um, you know, children are excluded. Or at, at the very least... Um, you know they're they're catered to or they're um they're separated from the family and you know a lot of churches you walk into and and uh so and so goes over here and this age child goes over there and the parent goes there or the mom goes there the dad goes there you know there's there's all these different things and and that you know that's that's good for emphasizing different stages of life and stuff but you know i i think there's strength in what you're doing in you know bringing some sort of cohesiveness to the, like you said, the entire body. And I wondered if maybe there was something you could share by way of a story or an example, or uh, just maybe some things that you've seen, like, you know, the, the example you just shared, but maybe something even more where you see uh, that, because you mentioned it, there, there seems to be in the body of Christ, a little bit of a movement, this direction Mm -hmm. to, to, uh, to, to have an integrated family church. And, um, what do you think are the strengths of that? What do you what do you think um, that brings to the table, so to speak? Yeah, as as I have already mentioned, it, if we think in terms of our being a body, and Paul repeatedly talks about the body functioning together, that every member uh, has a part to play, and so it might not always be tangible things. It, it might not be things that I can say, well. You know, they're here, one, two, three, here are the three benefits that that come from it. But as we look to Scripture uh, as our guide here, it it talks about the body being together and the body ministering to one another. And so we'll we'll trust in God to to bring the benefits that that he sees fit from that. Pastor Dirk, uh, as the the, uh, pastor, the senior leader at uh, Covenant, of Grace Church, what would you say or what have you heard that people say is unique about your ministry? You know, that's a tough question because I've been at Covenant of Grace nine years. So <laughs> it's it, it's hard to know what's unique because I don't spend a lot of time sure. at, at a lot of other churches. But but I do think from uh, from what I have heard is that our emphasis on God's Word. Uh, now, I'm not trying to disparage other churches, course, certainly, but we have this fundamental belief that the the Word of God is the power of God, and so we spend a lot of time looking at the Word. We read the Word. We read from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. Uh, the Word is preached uh, every Sunday. I preach through uh, books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Right now we're in the book of Romans. Uh, I've been in the book of Romans for, I guess, about a year and a half. Uh, but <laughs> There's a lot in there. <laughs> there's a lot in there, uh, and, and I've skimmed some yeah. <laughs> parts. <laughs> so, But we, we see God's Word. This is God revealing himself to us, and so we want to be diligent in finding out what he has to say in the way that he has to say it. Now, Pastor Dirk, if someone were to say, man, our, this all sounds great, I'd love to, to visit— um, visit a service. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us what they may be able to expect in one of your services. Sure. Um, there's fundamental presuppositions that we have 
which guide how we order our worship. And, and there are two of them, really. The first is we believe that worship is to be corporate. And certainly that is seen in the fact that we're multi-generational in our worship. But everything that is done is done corporately. The second presupposition that we have is that when we come together as the body of believers for worship, that we are truly coming into God's presence. And so it is our belief that our worship needs to reflect the fact that we are coming before God. And so our worship is structured after Isaiah chapter 6, because this is a passage of the Old Testament where Isaiah literally comes before the throne of God. And so when Isaiah came before the throne of God, the first thing that he was struck by was his own sinfulness. Going back a little bit more, Isaiah was there because God called him there. It wasn't Isaiah's decision. I think I'll go to the throne of God today. (laughs) God called Isaiah. And so we recognize that we're there because God has called us. God has invited us. We we are there to please him, to honor him. But Isaiah, when he came before the throne of God, was struck first by his own sinfulness and while we believe that we are redeemed through the blood of Christ, we still, as Paul says in Romans chapter 7, do the things that we don't want to do and don't do the things that we know we ought to do. So we begin each service by confessing our sins. We do that corporately, and then we have a quiet time of individual confession of sin. But then it's very important that we hear from God's Word, which tells us that we are redeemed because of Christ. That sin uh, no, is no longer a burden to us because it has been taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Then we spend a great deal of time listening to God's Word, hearing God's Word. We read from the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, spend time in the Word being preached. And this is what Isaiah did. Uh, Isaiah came before the throne of God, and God spoke to him. Uh, after telling him that his sins were forgiven, God spoke to Isaiah. And so we believe that in that time, God is speaking to us. Uh, the Word of God is, is just that. It's the Word of God. And then we leave each, uh, each Sunday morning with a blessing. And when Isaiah went out from the presence of God, he was charged. Who will I send and who will go for us? And so we as a congregation repeat, here am, am I, I, send, send me. me. And so it is this idea that we are... God's people, that he has called us, he has invited us, he has equipped us, he has saved us, he has done everything for us. And as a result of that, we want to go forth into this world to serve him. So, Pastor Dirk, could you give some specifics about uh, when someone could visit a service and where, uh, if they're interested in attending Covenant of Grace? Sure, absolutely. We meet, we meet each Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, right now, we're meeting in... Uh, in Elks Lodge, which is 1604 Lock and Terra Parkway area. Uh, it's actually Market Hill Drive. There's a Comfort Inn Hotel right on the corner, and then behind it is the Elks Lodge. We meet there at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. At this point, we're talking with some other places about uh, maybe moving our meeting space. So the best thing to do would be to go to our website, uh, cogsa.us, And if we do decide to move and go and worship uh, at another facility, the website will update that. Well, we uh, want to thank you for being with us today, Pastor Dirk. Uh, Thank you for taking the time, and and it was great to to spend some time with you and hear about what God's doing at Covenant of Grace. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity. And on behalf of AM630 KSLR, we'd like to thank you for being with us, our listeners, and want to invite you to visit Covenant of Grace Church for one of their services on Sunday. Check out their website at cogsa.us. 
cogsa.us. And right now they're meeting at the Elks Lodge at 15650 Market Hill Street in San Antonio, Texas, 78256. You can give them a call, too, if you have any questions at 210-286-1055-286-1055 or email Pastor Dirk at pastor.dirk at yahoo.com. We want to thank you again for joining us for our Church of the Week feature with Pastor Dirk Russell of Covenant of Grace Church. I am Micah Coop, and keep listening to AM630 KSLR, The Word in South Texas. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you've got a chance to get to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church If you would like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at kslr.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.